Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is Valentine's Day. It's 214 2020. <laughs> and I hope everyone has a wonderful Valentine's Day. Um, I was so grateful for my friend Mike. I got myself a beet, apple, juice, strawberry, ginger, um, and I think it had something else in it. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> anyway, oh, wheatgrass juice and it was red so for valentine's day i hope all of you that have your amores are enjoying uh your time and um will have a great weekend i wanted to uh start today off with um isn't it a bizarre week huh guys ending off with of course um this uh fabulous i would say uh, rhetoric that is going around with, uh, you know, some clash between President Trump and William Barr. And we all know how I feel about William Barr and how I'm hoping that this is like, you know, the redemption and uh, not a, um, a very well calculated response. Today, I thought we could touch a few taboo topics, uh, talk about that, and um, take us back into time because I thought this weekend, all of us with hearts in our eyes can kind of think about what has happened in the past. We're going to talk a little bit about Durham. Uh, and I've talked about Durham's previous investigation, but without mentioning him. And this previous investigation is something that I've told you about with, you know, Feinstein many, many, many times. So I think we should revisit that um, and kind of see how the mainstream media has done nothing to cover the juicy Smolier, right? Case, nothing about Kim Fox, nothing about who's implicated, nothing about Kamala Harris, nothing about Cory Booker, nothing about Don Lemon. They're all really, really quiet. And, you know, I was kind of looking for articles about that, about Tamika, you know, Donna Brazil. Why isn't anyone at Fox saying, yo, Donna, used to have lunch with her where she used to call over her friends so they could sit down. You recognized her. Why didn't you say something? You're a reporter. You're part of Fox, right? Can you see it? And this is what I'm saying. Let them, let them, let them. You know, I, I was having a conversation with um, someone last night and I usually have my, you know, recap conversations and stuff usually in the evening or very early in the morning before I start working. And uh, one of those conversations was like, why did Barr go to ABC? And it's like, um, hello, that's the only way to make it real and plausible. You have to go to the people that are in trouble because they gave you the platform, right? McCabe. Right? Stephanopoulos, right? So I thought we could start um, today with me reinforcing what I had said weeks ago, what I had said a year ago. You know, it's going to be the judicial arm because what's the point of having good federal agents, right? Cleaning that up, 
and a good, you know, intelligence community if your judges are corrupt. If there's judges that are on the take, right? There's a judge sitting there going after someone who is attacking, I don't know, some political figure. And then that judge gets a, you know, a really good loan from that political figure's bank or brother's bank or whatever. What's the point? See, this is why they're so salty that he's constantly appointing federal judges. We got to clean it all out from district to federal. If you can't be an impartial judge, you shouldn't be sitting on the bench. Your priority should be law. Your priority should be executing that law, interpreting that law, and applying that law in general. If you can't do that in part, you should leave the station, right? That's basically it. You should not be on a bench. But see, that's what happens when you have power, right? When you have power, when you have a voice, you weaponize it and make money off of it. That's, that's what Darwinism is, right? I mean, that little guy that just got caught with, you know, um, a couple of joints is going to go away for five years in your friend's friend's politician who funded your campaigns, you know, privatized prison and work for five years. I mean, he's a loser anyway. Doesn't have a mom. Dad's a deadbeat. Let's just lock him up. Yet then you have this Yale kid with, I don't know, half a kilo of Coke gets at a stop and you're like, oh, you're a very bad boy. Probation for two years and we'll expunge it if you're a very good boy and don't do drugs. Uh, big difference. But that's how, uh, this is how justice is not applied. And this is, you know, just one facet of it. What about the facet that we have these laws and we don't apply them, right? We have laws that we don't apply. Pelosi shouldn't be at her sitting there at all. She shouldn't be in the house. She forfeited her right to office by ripping up that doc. Why aren't we applying this? I mean, if they really want to get tedious, they could say, you ripped up a dollar bill, go to jail. But Pelosi gets to rip up a document on international stage clearly violating the law and walks away. Clapper lied in Congress. Clearly, we all know it. Nothing. Comey, Strzok, Schiff. You want to start naming names? We got a list from here to kingdom come. You you know what? It takes, what, three CVS receipts to get to the moon, right? Well, the list of all these corrupt clowns that have lied in Congress is longer. Yet, They want to hold accountable Roger Stone, who's a private citizen, who wasn't part of the Trump campaign, who may have lied and may have obstructed. Obstructed what? There was nothing about Russia. He had nothing to hide. He was just, you know, a guy, you know, and they nabbed him. And they're like, now you're going to go to jail because we said so. And we're going to give you nine years. Here's the kicker, guys. All right, let's pretend they do it president has every right to be like, yep. Okay. Sentence. He hangs out there 48 hours, you know, in transition doing all these things. When he turns himself, you're out. And you know, when that's out going to happen, whatever they give him the minute we try all of them. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to try private citizens, but you who has public office, who used to be the former director of the national intelligence, who used to be director of the CIA, who used to be director of the FBI, who used to be an associate deputy, who used to be this, who used to be your voice lying in Congress. Isn't worse. It's way worse. So you get 
way more years. If the prosecutors think that an individual, a private guy, should get seven to nine years, which means life for him, considering his age, then you should get quadruple that, you know, kajillion times more because you knew. You were supposed to be serving the people and you knew you lied. You did it on purpose to serve a purpose, which is even worse. So you're not only going to go to jail, but we're going to confiscate every single asset you have and we're going to give it to the people because that's how punishment works. So Roger Stone, even though he didn't really do anything wrong, I don't believe he did anything wrong. He messed up. He's human. And the human aspect has to be taken into consideration. What his case has done. And the sacrifice he has done for us is yet to be seen. They threatened him. They used oh, an immense amount of force to arrest him when he was in PJs, not a threat to anybody's life, amphibians knocking. And, you know, CNN got a tip off, you know, of, hey, it's happening. But they were like, oh, you, you know, we just pass on through really with a lawn chair right across. I want to get, you know, that hunch. When they round up Debbie Washerman Sultz. I want that hunch with a lawn chair right across the street. I want that hunch. So what we're seeing is they are in insanely rabid right now. And that's okay. Because we just got to go through the motions. And the president and Attorney General Barr, I kind of like this push and pull. I like the fact that he went to ABC because see what people don't get. We got to give the push and pull. We got to attract them to think that there's something there, there for them to say, whoa, you know, it's all about this. And this is how you do it. Let me show you how dumb they are. Okay. And I'm going to play the clip where Stephanopoulos, uh, you know, was talking about breaking news. We had Barr come in here and he was so upset and all this stuff. And you listen to Barr, but then you have to listen to what he says afterwards. So take a listen to this um, ABC News exclusive as A.G. Barr responds to criticism over Roger Stone's sentencing. Stone case that has consumed the White House and the Department of Justice this week. It unfolded when the line prosecutors in the case recommended a sentence for Stone, President Trump's longtime friend and political confidant. That came Monday afternoon. Hours later, shortly before 2 a.m. Thursday, President Trump weighed in on Twitter. You see it right there. He called this a horrible, very unfair situation. Cannot allow this miscarriage of justice. Then the Department of Justice announced on Tuesday that they were indeed overruling the prosecutors and recommending a lighter sentence. It was an unprecedented move. All four prosecutors stepped down in protests. Congressional Democrats have called for investigations. Former justice officials have decried the White House interference, but President Trump responded with another tweet, congratulating Attorney General Barr for the decision. Our Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas just completed an exclusive interview with the Attorney General. And Pierre, in your interview, Attorney General Barr insisted he acted independently, but also leveled direct criticism at President Trump. George, this has been a week unlike any other at the Justice Department, creating a firestone firestorm of controversy. Barr is a strong supporter of President Trump, but he's drawing some lines. I asked if the tweets about criminal cases are causing a problem, and he was blunt, saying he wants them to stop. To have public statements and tweets made about the department, 
uh, about uh, our people in the department, our, our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases uh, make it impossible uh, for me to do my job and to assure the courts and the prosecutors in the, in the department uh, that we're doing our work with integrity. Mr. Barr, the president uh, does not like to be told what to do. He may not like what you're saying. Are you prepared for those ramifications? Of, of course, as I you know, said during my confirmation, uh, I came in to serve as Attorney General. Uh, I am responsible for everything that happens in the department, but the thing I have most responsibility for are the issues that are brought to me for decision. And I will make those decisions based on what I think is the right thing to do, and I'm not going to be bullied or influenced by anybody. And I said at the time, whether it's Congress, newspaper, editorial boards, or the president, I'm going to do what I think is right. And, uh, you know, uh, the, I think the, the, I cannot do my job here at the department uh, with a constant background commentary that, that undercuts me. Pierre, an awful lot to unpack right there. Of course, the first thing is that the Attorney General and the Department of Justice did not act to overrule the prosecutors until after the president's tweet. Okay, that's where we need to stop. So now they're setting up the timeline for you guys. They're telling you when it happened. Let me tell you how this happens. So he didn't, uh, you know, go after them until that. That's BS. So in order to fire a U.S. state's attorney... I'm just saying prosecutor takes process. You can't just say you're fired. Come and get your box. Let's go. It doesn't happen like that. Resignations take time. And that's what's going to be fun because he's going to have to go testify in the paperwork. It's going to be in because when that was announced and released to the public, it was already submitted to the Department of Justice and flags go everywhere when stuff like this happens. So his tweet right came when it was public and you know what's funny the media knows that because the right wing media some of them had it so did the left um do you remember how um i had said the day that all this happened oh you know you're gonna see the new one come up now that's because we all knew what was happening this was a a way of you know tip off and let's organize so the two prosecutors were fired from the department of justice and the other two okay so now they're saying four resigned in protest two of them were resigned from the department of justice too okay so listen they all left the case supposedly to protest because you're getting involved in our business how dare you now in all actual fact, the seven to nine year sentence would have been just fine. Outrage everything, right? Because if he gets nine years as a private citizen, <laughs> imagine how many years the others are getting, right? That were actually public officials, that were serving the people, that knew exactly what they were doing. And they not they didn't forget or just do something that's human. They flat out lied on camera, on this. You don't even need witnesses and email. If you pull their emails, it's going to be even worse. So, you know, they're going to be coordinating. Okay, this is the lie I'm going to say, and that's how I'm going to say it. Here, we just have, well, the emails say, okay, I totally forgot about that. Like, I send so many emails every day. 
But let's, let's say for me, the seven to nine excessive because he didn't do anything. That's fine. Give it to him. Lock them all up based on that private citizen compared to what? Mm. And he'll be out in a heartbeat because if they go to court and they're being sentenced and they get something like, I don't know, a slap on the wrist. Oh, your service and this. No, because of your service and this, you should get kajillion more years than what Roger Stone is getting. And when that happens, the president's like, look, guys, this guy messed up forgetting emails and they got all this and they spent all your tax dollars. These guys were making money on CNN, still lying, lied in Congress, lied here, lied there. Now, that we have the emails they've lied a lot and they all colluded and we're going to bring down the house and he's in jail no let them all rot that's how it would go so now what we need is bill Barr to go and testify this is what we need and they should be very careful of what they ask for because it's going to be coming and it's going to be coming hard you know kind of like the way this whole you know durham 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 oh yeah durham durham Tori's been talking about Durham for two years. Tori's been writing about him. Tori told you, right? A guy that was involved with Durham during an investigation that Obama buried, right? And I already told you that he authored uh, the whistleblower complaint. And then his friend and attorney friend is now representing the supposed whistleblower. Where is the whistleblower, by the way? I know everyone wants to say it's Erica Sierra Mella, but it's not. It's not Eric Anthony, which is his real name. Eric is not because he has two names. It's Eric Anthony Sierra Mella, but Anthony's actually his first name. Kind of like Stanley Ann Dunham, but they called her Ann, even though her first name was Stanley. So, uh, you know, it's funny how that works. You know, most very, 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 very clandestine persons have a male middle name, even if they're female. It's, it's really weird. <laughs> and uh, that's a time for another story on that one. But here they are. As we heard, setting you the timeline, telling you, oh, my God, we got your moment. We got him. Hey, Schiff. Hey, Pelosi. Look, look, look. Timeline. He tweets and then Barr goes after them. That's where you should run with it. Came out. Did he offer any evidence that he acted without knowing Trump's wishes? George, he did not offer specifics, but he was emphatic that he never spoke to the president about Stone or anyone else at the White House. He said he conveyed to the prosecutors that the recommendation for four to seven years in prison was excessive before it was filed. And that when he saw the filing, he immediately made clear to the department officials that it would not stand. But George, we have yet to hear from any of those prosecutors who stepped down for their version of the story. Yeah, we'll have to see what they say about that. He also says he won't be bullied by the president or anyone else, but he does have a pretty clear pattern of doing what President Trump wants when he released the summary of the Mueller report. The Department of Justice recommending a lighter sentence also for Michael Flynn, the president's former national security advisor. And just this week, opening up that office, assigning the the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh to follow up on the information collected by Rudy Giuliani in Ukraine. Uh, Some critics of the attorney general have said he has indeed been acting like President Trump's defense attorney. George, we asked him about all that. Barr supports the president's policies and has suggested that he believes the president has been treated unfairly. And he's not shy about making that clear. But he maintains that he believes he's doing what is right and is willing to take the heat from the critics. He also had some tough words for the prosecutors who stepped down. 
He basically said that their recommendation was wrong and that they were overzealous and that sometimes people working most closely on the cases lose perspective. Again, we have not heard from them yet, George. So we'll have to see what happens. But Barr says this is his call to make as the attorney general. Exclusive interview from Pierre Thomas right there, our chief justice correspondent. We're going to tell you, Moran, our senior national correspondent uh, at the White House. I assume I, it hasn't come across on my Twitter yet. No response yet from President Trump or the White House. Not yet, uh, but we can expect one for sure, because what Attorney General Barr is trying to do here, he, he is looking at a crisis. Okay, I just want to say this Terry Moran freaks me out. He looks super weird. Prices of confidence in his leadership at the Justice Department, within the Justice Department, and certainly around Washington. He's trying to back the president off a little bit, it seems, about the kinds of tweets that the president regularly issues, uh, which are almost uh, directing the Department of Justice to investigate specific American citizens or to do certain things in specific cases. That won't go down well with this president. Thinking... Wait, you mean his tweets are directing William Barr, our attorney general, to investigate specific American citizens. So are you saying that the president, who the AG is his attorney general, his top lawyer, his top prosecutor is not allowed to tell him what to investigate? I'm sorry. I mean, did you guys hear that? Because it's kind of, it was just like, did this guy even take? Civics 101 or something and saying that out loud with a straight face. King back, you know, former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson tried to back the president off a little bit from time to time. Rex was dirty. What he did in Kenya, hmm, it'll come. And he's no longer Secretary of State, former Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats. Saying- uh, Dan Coats. Oh, the guy that was mocking President Trump at a cybersecurity conference or the guy that asked Germany to bury the information in regards to the CIA torturing and maiming and assailing some random dude in a black site in Afghanistan. Oh, that one. Same thing. Uh, This is very thin ice in some ways that the attorney general is on, and it must be a very serious situation indeed for him to come forward. But right now, at this point, no tweets, no response from the president as of yet. No, this isn't serious. This is push and pull, push and pull. So that way there's ambiguity when he goes in because the media can't hate on him because he's clapping back to the president, right? And then the president's like, whatever, you could do whatever you want. He tweeted that out, but, you know, I do have Article 2. And that's like, oh, my gosh, how could he say that? That means he's bullying people in office. How dare? Yes, this is exactly where we want you. Exactly. You bring round two on because it's about to go boom very, very soon. Nice, even though he's acted in accord, Terry, with the president's wishes in most of these cases. And the president uh, loves Attorney General Barr uh, up to this point. He was just saying on the radio today that he wishes he'd appointed uh, Bill Barr Attorney General first before Jeff Sessions. So he has a very loyal Attorney General. But in this interview, it's pretty clear uh, that Barr feels that his credibility in some ways is at stake, given what happened in Roger Stone's case, and is trying to back the president off a little bit. Terry Moran, Pierre Thomas, thanks very much. That exclusive interview. His credibility, yeah, you're in charge. And if you have rogue prosecutors, you know, using a missile to kill a fly makes you look really bad. And the judge that allows such actions to happen with rubbish and, you know, empty words, that's even worse. That is worse. 
Because that judge, every single one of them, on every single level, district and federal, will be removed. Mark my words. Because we've already started doing that. And that's why they're so bitter that we're so attracted to this judicial arm. Now, Whitaker had words to say, whom I adore, and uh, we'll hear what he has to say. But I think it's important for us to listen to what Robert Ray said, that it's important for the U.S. government and the Department of Justice, he said, to speak with one voice. That was a very interesting comment. So right after the break, we're going to listen to what he had to say. That's a very, very interesting way of putting it. But, you know, it's all about the show. The fake news, the orchestrated life, the orchestrated day that you're having is all driven by media, advertisements, uh, you know, music, movies, Hallmark today for sure. When are you in control? When are you able to discern what is really going on? When do you lift that veil and look under the bed and be like, oh gosh, Or, you know, that forgotten pot, I've done this, in the corner of your kitchen (laughs) that is growing something Marie Curie would be envious about. That's that's the time. That's what we need to start doing. Using a little bit of the six inches between our ears. I'll see you all in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So we're going to continue, like I said, from the first half hour to listen to what Robert Ray had to say about how important it is for the U.S. government and the DOJ to speak with one voice. Federal prosecutor and former independent White House uh, uh, Whitewater Counsel Robert, good morning to you. Good morning. I know you've got some strong thoughts on what we heard from Bill Barr there. Some are seeing this as a break with the president. How do you see it? With regard to sentencing... Since, after all, someone's liberty is at stake, it's important for the government of the United States through the Department of Justice to speak with one voice. That's all the attorney general was saying. And parenthetically, I will say the president has the absolute right to step into this. uh, And for what it's worth, I happen to agree that the sentencing recommendation was too severe. So the president's right the attorney general's right, and for what it's worth, I agree with them. All the attorney general was saying, though, is that at a moment when there's a pending proceeding before a judge at a sensitive time, which is right in advance of sentencing, public respect for the integrity of the Department of Justice and its functioning before the court system requires that the department speak with one voice. Politically, you could say this is aligned with a lot of the president's supporters who say, hey, we support his policies, but we wish he just wouldn't tweet so much. I don't look. I think that's overstated. I don't think this is a really big deal. And the the break on the system with regard to this and the check is that sentencing is entirely within the discretion of an Article Three judge, and that judge will make a determination as to what the appropriate sentence is. And then is. interesting to hear uh, Mitch McConnell taking uh, Bill Barr's back in an interview uh, last night on Special Report. Here's Mitch McConnell. 
Yeah, my reaction is the president made a great choice when he picked Bill Barr to be attorney general. I think the president should listen to his advice. So you have a problem with the president's tweeting as well? I think that the attorney general says it's getting in the way of doing his job. Maybe the president should listen to the attorney general. So do you think ultimately he'll heed this advice? I think in the short term, you've just seen what, what's happened. The president has had nothing to say with regard to the sentencing issue, specifically that he hasn't already said. It's time to just back off and let the judicial process work. It's in the hands of the court and a judge who will fashion an appropriate sentence. We're in uncharted territory when it comes to a president that uses social media in this capacity. So it's interesting to see in such a public way the attorney general um, you know, taking that on. But all presidents have had issues with regard to the operation of the criminal justice process in, in all, almost within the entirety of my lifetime, going all the way back to President Kennedy. Okay, so it's, it, this, this is different because the president does has no fear, which is why he got elected, to speak his mind when he sees an injustice or an unfairness. And again, I go, ba- I go back to where I started. He happens to be right. But, you know, the point that the attorney general was making is that independence by the Justice Department is appropriate and important for the public to come to respect the integrity of uh, the Justice Department's operations. Fair to say it's almost common sense that Bill Barr was highlighting uh, with that um, comment on the and president. that's why, by the way, that's why the president chose him. So the president is doing his job and the attorney general is doing his job as well. Very interesting perspective on that. Meanwhile, per the Washington Post, this is Chief U.S. District Judge statement. The judges of this court base their sentencing decisions on careful consideration of the actual record in the case before them. The applicable sentencing guidelines and statutory factors, the submissions of the parties, the probation office and victims in their own judgment and experience, public criticism or pressure is not a fact. So you said you disagreed with the initial uh, sentencing. Right. But it's important also for the judiciary to weigh in here. And they have in this extraordinary moment to say, that's why we have a third branch of government. We're independent of the executive branch. We take the submissions from the Department of Justice. And again, I think it's important for the government, the executive branch, to speak with one voice. And that's in this instance through the attorney general. What did you make, though, of the initial criticism that uh, this raised questions that the president was actually pressuring the Justice Department on the on behalf of his ally? And you heard from the attorney general to say that that did not happen. Mm-hmm. And the president second in that unless people are prepared to not take the president and the attorney general of the United States at their word, which I understand where Democrats immediately rushed to. The short answer is there was not political pressure applied here. They did what the attorney general said. He did what he thought was right. The first thing you said when you sat down here, Robert, sentencing is a very sensitive it is. situation. And the reason, just so the public you know, is aware, the reason is because someone's liberty is at stake, meaning you know, the sentencing recommendation originally was seven to nine years. I think the, uh, the defendant, through, their, through, through his counsel, uh, was indicating a recommendation maybe of a year or two. Uh, Roger Stone is going to jail in all likelihood. That's a serious event and a serious moment. And that's why it's so sensitive. And that's why the attorney general weighed in as he did. Robert Ray, great to have you here this morning. Nice to be. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Robert Ray. I like the way he said happy Valentine's Day. So, yes, indeed. Like I said, Roger Stone will be getting jail time. Now, hopefully he will be getting jail time as probation and not in a jail. Uh, But, you know, he's going to get tried regardless. And this is going to be the first time that we actually take someone to trial for lying to Congress, which has happened through many, 
many, many years. And, you know, like she said, it is the first time we have a president that has no fear and tells you exactly what he's thinking and what he's feeling. And I hate the fact that they keep saying, oh, you know, his ally, huh? His allies are over million people in the United States right now. So is every single one of his allies, you know, going to be treated the same way is the question that everyone has on their mind. And, you know, he points out that the judges are impartial. It's the third arm. That's the really corrupt one. That's the one we need to fix. Because I couldn't believe that while I'm doing the show, Hillary Clinton tweets out saying, oh, he's pressuring, you know, no, no, no. I wonder what she did to Roger Stone's judge to get the case against her dismissed about Benghazi. Completely dismissed. No trial dismissed. This is a corrupt judge that has no business sitting on a bench. Again, it's not just D.C. It's everywhere. It's California. It's New York. It's Minnesota. It's Ohio. It's Tennessee. It's North Dakota. It's South Dakota. It's Colorado. You name it. Every single state has corrupt judges everywhere. Except for that really cool guy in Rhode Island. He's real fun. Um, I guess because he does traffic ticket and minor violations. But he applies the law as he sees fit. Uh, So, you know, this is, you know, where it's at. Now, the president has expressed his concerns. And this is not the first time expressing concern with judicial arms. I mean, today everyone's freaking out completely, completely freaking out. Oh, my gosh. You know, Andy McCabe is getting off. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's getting off on whatever BS Horowitz did. Do you know how PO'd? Okay, let me tell you something about Durham. Let me take it back a bit. So remember how I was, I did this whole show on Daniel Jones, who, by the way, also went to teach America, right? (laughs) And he was also like GQ's like most eligible bachelor. And not a lot of people know who this clown is. Right. He has PQG, you know, Penn Quarterly Group down in D.C. Uh, he was assigned and tasked by Barack Hussein Obama to look at everything the CIA does, everything clandestine agents do within the United States and outside of the United States. Torture, you know, maiming them, assailing them, raping them, killing them, blackmailing them, putting them in their positions that they want to. And I don't want you guys thinking that these are all just like random jihadis. These are average citizens from other countries and within the United States, according to, you know, the group that Barack Hussein Obama created that are tortured in order to submit. Now, torture can be anything from sitting in a room and watching a screen until your mind blows up to blackmail, to literally getting raped, to bothering your family members. We're just going to keep going, right? The list is long. So there was a report, thousands and thousands of pages, totally sealed. And that was done under the preview of, you know, Feinstein, (laughs) you know, the, the China lover. And what's funny is, is that, you know, who was also called in to look at wrongdoings? Durham. Not a lot of people know this, okay? Not a lot of people know this. And I remember the report that he did, very few eyes saw it. But I can tell you, uh, it was very well put together. And it's kind of like, I'm telling you this happened, but in very serious words, because If I say it the way it is, people will freak out. 
That's still secret. No one's seen it. You know, I think maybe all of us should just write FOIA requests for that report. So that report was done. He knew the extent, the power of the intelligence community, the one that bleeds over into the DOD and the FBI and others had. How expansive it was, how treacherous it was, and how inhumane it was. So when he saw, like with Andy McCabe and Strzok and Comey, the Horowitz report, it's the first time he turned around and said, what? Like, no. So now, based on some allegations that they brought up with Andy, it's like, we're not going to pursue. I want to make this clear to you guys. Andrew McCabe is named to be part of the group that is involved with Seth Rich's murder. Now, those specific allegations, he's not going to go down for. See, we need tangible things, not skeptical things. We need things that are black and white and that you cannot maneuver, shift, or soften. Kind of like theft. Kind of like genocide kind of like murder kind of like stealing elections kind of like secret agreements with other governments kind of like outsourcing our intelligence to private companies kind of like all that stuff and so there will be things that are going to be coming out really soon you know what's funny is is that everyone cave's going to go down first in this no no it's not how it's going to happen first because what we need to see is the underlying information that's coming out and what is being discussed and how it's being discussed because i'm going to tell you this crystal ball and all durham's going to be under scrutiny now as well because for some reason everyone had forgotten he worked with daniel jones everyone had forgotten he had worked on the cia you know whole torture report everyone had forgotten that he had written a report And yet everything is surfacing slowly. And I talked about these reports years ago Mm -hmm. to my listeners. When I first started, we were talking about it. When I told you the whistleblower was a wiretap, we talked about it. I even told you who authored, you know, the, the complaint. We talked about it for some reason. Everyone wants to paint this Anthony Sierra Mella as, as, as the guy. And it's like, that's not how it works. And you know what sucks? Is that most of the stuff is classified. So even for the Department of Justice to get their hands on it, I'm telling you this. There's got to be assurances and clearances. Oh, and one more thing. There's something called presidential privilege. You know, that document that Barack Hussein Obama, presidential archives, that he signed five minutes after he swore in, putting boots on transparency like nobody's business. Sank transparency to the bottom of the lake. But, you know, there's always the lady of the lake, right? I'm just saying. So this is how um, they're covering everything up by classifying everything. You know, here's a clip that was sent to me. And it was very interesting. It was said, and um, I was actually impressed that it was aired uh, just about a week ago. Take a listen. Emails from the FBI indicating that they've been providing false testimony of their records on former DNC staffer Seth Rich, who was murdered 
back in 2016 in Washington, D.C. Here's One America's Caitlin Sinclair. Uh, I think we could all agree that Seth Rich has been a name that we haven't heard uh, in yes. a while. Why is that? Um, there has been an ongoing litigation slash smear campaign against anybody who asks inconvenient questions about Seth Rich. Fox News got sued. Fox News has gone completely silent on Seth Rich. And I think the message has gotten out to most other media outlets don't talk about this or else. And I think that was their strategy all along, is to shut everybody up. And here's where it gets really interesting. So when I notified the attorney representing the FBI, that we had these emails, um, the FBI came back and said, you know, that, well, the reason they weren't produced was because there was nothing of investigative significance. Of course, I pointed out, I didn't ask for emails of investigative significance. I asked for all emails about Seth Rich. Um, so we went back and forth with that. And then I happened to look at the, there's a little, every time there's a FOIA redaction, they put codes next to the redaction. So I went back and looked up the codes, and one of the most common codes in there was to redact things that might reveal matters of investigative or prosecutorial significance. So mind you, they told me along, there's been no investigation, but yet you're citing exemptions on the grounds that there's an investigation or potential prosecution. So which is it? What led you to believe that they knew all along that they didn't conduct a reasonable search? Well, the, just the fact that they admitted to me that there were inquiries in the Washington field office, questions were asked, and then I'm getting tips from people on the inside that absolutely there are records there. Um, so I think they've known all along, and they just try to cover it up. So how far up do we believe this line of corruption actually goes? If you look at the whole Russia collusion, Ukraine, mm -hmm. whatever, um, I mean, that goes straight to Obama. Yeah. Um, Hillary is, is deeply involved. Obama himself is involved. James Comey, Clapper, Brennan, all of them are involved. Well, hopefully we get some answers, and the American people definitely deserve to know all of this. Absolutely. So thank you for sure. bringing this to our attention. Thank you. What? Huh. So, Seth Rich was a cover-up, no duh. Because you're not even supposed to know about the high-value interrogation group. Four-letter agency. Three-letter would be HIT. And you know what Obama did? He made it legal to kidnap and torture American citizens that you believe um, qualify the term terrorism or breach of national security or whatever you want to call it. It was very vague the way he wrote it. So that means, you know, I could be out in the store shopping for a sandwich and then a van just comes and takes me and yeah, that's it. You're gone because it's allowed. And someone will say, well, Seth Rich wasn't, you know, kidnapped. No, he was killed, period, because he had already done the damage. And they were like, damn, who'd you send it to? So many people. It's done. You're going to die now. So we could tell all the other people that might have parts of the DNC server that we're going to kill them all. And if we don't kill you, we're going to bury you in litigation. We are going to come at you with anything we have. And that's what they do. That's what they do. That's if they find all of them, right? Because like I said, a great way to succeed and achieve a goal is to work with people that you don't know you're working with. I, I keep saying that. It's a very important component when you're going against an enemy so vast. It's not just here. It's everywhere. And today... In the second hour of the show, we're going to revisit history a little bit 
We're going to go back to the Nixon era. The Nixon era. Yeah, the Nixon era. And the reason I want to do that is because I want to talk money a little bit. I want to talk about uh, gold. I want to talk about dollar. I want to talk about the great stock market and why it's so great right now. And, you know, what's to come of that? Because that's all been set. That's all been done. And, you know, justice. So many people, that's, I, it, it totally annoys me when I see, oh my God, great. Andy McCabe is getting away with it. Stop. We're just not doing stuff that Horowitz put forward. Horowitz is horrible. Horowitz is horrible. We need something where even the libtards, the ones that are so far gone that, you know, see gender as a piece of furniture now. The ones that, you know, are just like, Vinman said the truth. No, he didn't. He just read off a script. But okay. Those that they won't be able to, they'll be like, all right, like this is totally messed up. Like, no. And you know, most of that will come by supercharging the commies. Because if they found out that someone was murdered for exposing Hillary Clinton, stealing it from Bernie, and they've already got a taste of it in Iowa, didn't they? How Pete Buttplug with his fabulous wine cellar, uh, you know, tried to steal it from Bernie too. And the DNC funded it along with Pete. So the DNC already chose Pete, 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 Pete. And anyone talking is racist. But in the end, they're just going to pull Hillary Clinton out of their tush because Minnie Mike's not making it because he's got too much on there. And I mean, him and, and, and Bill Gates have a love affair and they're busy with China right now. They're super busy. China, North Korea, you know, they're going to try to penetrate India too. That's why it's really important that our president travels there pretty quickly at the end of the month. It's important because it's getting out of hand. And I see it going elsewhere. So how is um, this going to pan out? So we've got the Democrats that have asked the attorney general, right? This is the second, you know, second win that they have. Uh, They asked the attorney general to go and testify. How bad will it be? Well, let's listen to Devin Nunes. He tells us. Congressman, ranking member of House Intel Committee. Uh, he is House Ways and Means Committee member as well, Devin Nunes. Congressman, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Maria. Good morning. First, let's talk about this, your reaction to what your colleagues on the left are doing to William Barr. A lot of attacks coming his way. Well, when the Attorney General comes to testify March 31st, right here in the nation's capital, it probably won't go very well for the Democrats. Attorney General Barr seems to always have a full handle uh, of all the facts. Uh, And in this case, this is another example of it. Uh, The clearly seven to nine years is totally asinine. You also have overnight reports of the lead juror in that case being a partisan Democrat who had run for Congress, who had made multiple social media posts about uh, the Mueller investigation itself. So this is clearly somebody that was on the jury that never should have been there. We need to get to the bottom of whether or not Stone's attorneys had actually brought this to the judge's attention or not. But there's a lot more to be learned there. But the bottom line is, is that 
it won't go well here for the Democrats in the House with Attorney General Barr because he is a man of action and uh, has a uh, has had a great long career and has been trying to clean up uh, the mess that the dirty cops made in conjunction with the Democrats. That's it's, right. It's only what happens in a second and third world country. Uh, and Attorney General Barr is the man that's trying to come in and clean it up. Well, you're right. I mean, you, you exposed the fraud that had taken place uh, years ago. Uh, that in 2016, mm -hmm. uh, then candidate Trump uh, was spied on and surveilled, and they used the tools that we use against terrorists on Donald Trump. They kept the spying going while he was in office. You said last night on Hannity that there will be more information to learn of the Mueller misconduct. What did you mean? Well, if you recall, several times on your Sunday show, uh, I have brought up that I've, I've termed the Mueller report the Mueller dossier. Uh, the reason I picked that is because it looked very similar to the Steele dossier. It was very salacious in many parts. So at the, at the end of the day, they didn't have any evidence of collusion with Russians. But for a layman, just reading that, if you don't have a, a, a law degree, uh, you read that and you think, wow, there's just a lot of contacts with Russians here. Uh, but the reality is, is that they, they forgot the major part, which was it was Hillary Clinton who hired her campaign hired hitmen to go hire foreigners. They dug up foreign dirt in, in places like Ukraine that ended up being just total disinformation. Uh, part of the reason why they reopened the investigation on Paul Manafort. Uh, and just to top this all off, we now know we, we have very good information that in January from the Horowitz report, Okay? And I know there's a lot of reports here, so I want to make sure that your viewers are following them all. But in January of 17, right when President Trump is sworn into office, the Department of Justice already knows there's no evidence of colluding with Russians. Just a month after that, in February, by the end of February, in the House Intelligence Committee, the Republicans, we had all the information from all 17 of our, our intelligence agencies, zero evidence of Trump colluding with Russians, February of 17. So then Trump fires Comey because Comey comes before, before the House of Representatives and says, oh, they're looking at, at, at the Trump campaign colluding with Russians. Well, they already knew the Steele dossier was bogus. They knew they didn't have one shred of evidence that there was any collusion with Russians. So then it fires Comey and then McCabe and the rest of the dirty cops. What do they do? They in Rosenstein now, I mean, that's in question. They open up a they open up an investigation into uh, what appears to be just an obstruction of justice trap. Mm. Uh, and then so so by the time they get to Roger Stone and they're interviewing Roger Stone, you have to ask yourself, what on earth were they interviewing him for? They already knew there was no evidence of this. Right. And then uh, and lo and behold, the one the thing that they get him for uh, is lying to the Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee who were clearly on a witch hunt, clearly lying to the American people. And then the guy in the, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the security director there is sleeping with a reporter, leaks likely the FISA to that reporter. Uh, it's made it's made public. Uh, and then that guy gets then lies to the FBI. And you know what he got? Two months, two months. Unbelievable. So I, I think I mean, look, it's not it's we want people to not lie. It is unbelievable, isn't it, guys? It's completely unbelievable. And we'll pick this up right after the break because this is incredible stuff. So keep your head up. Don't worry about this part of McCabe because you're not going to take out one head, remember? You have to take Hydra out. 
totality. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2. And gosh, it's the final countdown. I like that song. But we're going to play that right after we finish up with Nunez because he dropped a few truth bombs that are very, very important, if you know what I mean. Lie to Congress, okay? And, and they should be punished. But uh, seven to nine years seems totally nuts. And and they did that to Michael Flynn as well. Let's not forget Jim Comey joked yeah. about it when he was on stage talking about it, saying, "Well, if it was a if it was a more organized administration, we might not gotten away with it." But we basically said to yeah. Michael Flynn, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to send a couple of uh, FBI guys over there to have a chat with you. Don't worry about having a lawyer there." And again, so that he would say yeah. something, and he did, and now he's being yeah. punished for it. Look, you we spoke earlier about the letter that you sp- sent to Inspector General Michael Atkinson's. Uh, you're requesting mm-hmm. answers about the whistleblower complaint that launched the impeachment case against President Trump. You gave him a deadline until tomorrow. Have you heard from him? We haven't heard from him. Uh, I will give him credit. The last two times we've sent him a letter, he did respond. So we're expecting for him to respond. Now, that just the problem is the last two times he's responded, it's been in- inadequate. So what we're actually asking him for is, look, we want evidence. It's not okay to just say, hey, trust me, uh, you know, really, you didn't have to have firsthand information. Uh, the form, you know, that was just a mistake. It just got changed later. Look, there's evidence. And IGs are very good at tracking down emails. We need, we need the documents of how the form was changed, who changed the form. Uh, that's, it's very easy for the inspector general to prove his innocence. But after everything that's transpired here, the last thing we're going to do is just take someone's word for it. All so of this bad behavior. Did you hear that? So not only was the form filled out, but it was changed and edited. And they're like, no, 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 trust us. There's nothing to see here. Uh, no, that's not how it works. See, you spent federal taxpayer dollars on a trust us. It's Russia, Russia, Russia. And now you want us to trust that the intelligence community is impartial and it's working correctly and operating the way it should be without showing us evidence as such. You didn't allow Republicans in the room. You have things under seal. You use the skiff. You won't identify. That's not how it goes. Devin Nunes isn't going to leak the name or the face. Show it. All of this bad yeah. behavior in an effort to take down President Trump, it's just incredible. Now, House Republicans boycotted a public hearing yesterday after accusing Chairman Adam Schiff of ignoring the FISA abuse detailed in, in, in the IG report. Till this day, your colleagues on the left refuse to acknowledge or discuss the wrongdoing that took place by the likes of John Brennan, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Bruce Orr, Andrew McCabe, Jim Comey. Why not? Are we ever going to see accountability here? Well, look, they've been lying to the American people. The, the, the key that you're forgetting here is, is that the media has been in on this the entire time. 
So the media knew that this, they, they had the Steele dossier. They actually had versions of the Steele dossier before there was a Steele dossier. It's what Lee, I know Lee Smith was on your show this week. Uh, Lee Smith is the one that discovered that and wrote about it in, in his book. So, so there's an ongoing uh, uh, track record here of the Democrats lying to the American people, but being in cahoots with the legacy media who are just covering up for the Democrats. But the legacy media always had offices on the seventh floor. It's not a surprise now, is it? Because I wonder how many of them went to Teach America, how many of them had clearance for things. More complicated than just Democrats. It's, it's really, it's the Democrats, it's the, it's the media, which are, are essentially prostituting themselves to the Democratic Party. Uh, and, then, and then you had corruption within the FBI and Department of Justice. That's perfect. Perfectly said. They're literally prostituting themselves to the Democratic Party. And I have to say, the media in general, the mainstream media in general, is prostituting themselves to the global elites. That's the accurate statement. Because that's who feeds them. That's who clothes them. I mean, how are they getting ads? I mean, CNN's got Merrill Lynch, right? think and you got slammed you got slammed by the media by coming out for coming out with the nunez memo which laid it all out all the fraud that had taken place and then adam schiff he saw the same information you saw yet he came out with a memo after your memo saying no 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 nunez's memo is wrong uh you 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 have pinpointed the media before and you're suing a number of media uh mcclatchy is the third largest newspaper published in the country it filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy as it seeks support from key stakeholders for a reorganization plan, Congressman. Tell me where your suit stands on McClatchy, and you're also suing CNN. Well, the irony is, is that yesterday, uh, after many stall tactics, these media companies refuse to come to the table with me and answer my complaints. So yesterday, uh, a state court in Virginia ruled that, uh, that we could move forward with discovery. Uh, and then lo and behold, McClatchy files bankruptcy. So we're going to have to figure out uh, where we go from there with this. Uh, but, but look, McClatchy uh, is one of the legacy media companies. Uh, they're clearly totally unhinged. Uh, I don't know who's running the company, but at some point, I think that the investors will be able to uh, probably sue the board members uh, for just mis- total mismanagement. And so here's where we go. So you're being sued. You file chapter, right? You chapter out. You're like, we're broke. And it's like, you're, you're broke? Like all of a sudden? Okay. So where's your money? Hmm? Think about it. Where's the money? It's kind of like I'm really wondering, like amalgamated bank. Like guys, any of you paying union dues, you should be really pissed off because your union dues are literally funding Biden's campaign and Warren's and Pete Buttplug and funding the DNC and helping them fund the media. All of you paying union dues should ask your union, do you throw them into amalgamated bank? I don't want it there. Where are you guys moving with your union saying, I don't want it there. I want it in another fund i don't want it there where are you this is how they get their money this is how they move things but you have to wonder mcclatchy have no money because in order to file wait that's public record right so we could see why they're bankrupt right Mm. and see where the board members are Uh, because at the end of the day what you're going to find is that mcclatchy was probably the number one newspaper outlet in the country taking information from who fusion gps 
who's Fusion GPS, wow. they're, they're the organization that the Clinton campaign was paying and they were just taking stuff, regurgitating it. Okay, and that's not, don't, you don't have to trust me, Fusion GPS actually writes about it yeah. in their book that they just wrote about. Now, Fusion GPS, we know they often lie too, so we don't know if, if what they're saying in the book is true, well, but clearly you have McClatchy and Fusion GPS that need to be brought into court in discovery, but however, uh, they're doing everything they can but come join me in court, and I, yeah. I'm the one that's been, that's been smeared. Well, Congressman, let's not forget. I mean, that's what happens, right? When you pull other people into court or you send letters to the Department of Justice or the FBI, suddenly you're the one being smeared. You're the one being taken to court. And that's the way they work. That's the way the swamp works. But here's the thing. It's all coming down to it. And the one thing you need to do is you need to look to your left and to your right at people that are so angry about this McCabe thing. And you realize that they're just a breath away of being just like all those liberals screaming in the street. Yeah, I'm totally frustrated, but that's not how we're taking them down. See, I have other insight and I try to share it with you where I can. But this high value interrogation group, mm, it's not something that you talk about. How do you feel knowing that there's legislation and that the government has the right to nab you at any given moment, take you away to some black site where no one will know where you are. There'll be no paper trail, no police records, and even the video camera that shows them abducting you will be gone. How would that make you feel? Makes you feel unsafe. It's been around for a few years now, 10 to be exact. And how do you feel knowing that people like McCabe and Strzok worked in such a division? You got to think about it. So we're going to get him on rubbish. This is low hanging fruit. What they did to President Trump, you know, what you're what you know about is nothing. The truth is so evil, so insane. The only thing I can say is pray. Because today you would have been a subject and you know, this all started with sweet talking. Very, very much so. How they convinced presidents of the past to give power to monopoly money more. See, I'll tell you something about Nixon. So from what I've studied on him, he was a great conservative, no BS guy, but he was so naive. He believed that the people around him were advising him for the good. They, he, he bought the dream that they were selling him, right? I mean, he had Kissinger around him. So this is ongoing where the evil ones flock to the good ones and destroy them. Kind of like Reagan. Reagan, though, was allowed to say whatever he wanted. And even though Bush was running the show, really. We all know that. He was a good guy, but he wasn't able to really do what he was supposed to do. And that's because it was way too early. There weren't enough. There wasn't, there weren't any back channels set up where they could happen pretty easy. That's the problem. Gosh, you know, life is so odd, so perplex. Really it is. And I say it in a sense, not just us as, as human beings, you know, going through the motions. 
but almost everything that surrounds the aspect of life is highly complex. There's so many levels of order, right? From the minute you wake up, there's like a million functions that happen for you to even lift your finger, close your eye, wink, breathe. Tons of processes throughout your body have happened. Millions of cells have communicated amongst themselves in an instant. And so when you step on that floor and you crunch on the carpet and your toes curl as you get up, you know, all those are sensations. So many things are happening every single instant that we are completely unaware of. So just imagine outside of your home, apartment, bedroom, office, car, just how many kajillion processes are happening. Now imagine evil processes, how many of those are happening that you are not aware of. I mean, you're not even aware of the stuff that happens to you, let alone the ones that are happening against you that are so far removed, you don't even know they exist. That's the devil's biggest trick. And he doesn't exist. And so what I wanted to do was play a conversation between um, Nixon um, and John Connolly. And they were talking about the gold standards because we're going to start talking about money now. Um, I'm going to play that clip for you. But before I do it, I'm going to show you just how times have changed. And this is a conversation that Nixon had with Henry Kissinger about the slaughters, Idi Amin Dada, you know, down in Africa, and how Kissinger was talking about it, but how Nixon was. Nixon, you can understand, was so upset. He's like, this guy is a monster, like a complete monster. Like, how do you do it? And I want you to listen to it because Africa, like I said, 2020, we're going to have a lot of Africa to talk about. I mean, you could see it yourself. Look at where all the Silicon Valley giants are going. Look where Obama's going. Look where, where, where all these creeps are going. That's all you have to know. This goddamn guy in the head of Uganda, Henry, is an ape. He's an ape without education. No, uh, that's probably no disadvantage. I mean, that, uh, <laughs> I mean, you figure that, that asshole that was the head of Ghana had a brilliant education in the United States. And, that's right. No, that I mean, so <laughs> let's face it. No, no, what I mean is he's, he's, he really is. He's a, he's a prehistoric monster. Yeah. But, uh, but the same with Burundi. But can, if, if I really, really got to shake up the Africa, well, all the departments, but the African Department of State, Henry, is a disgrace. Oh, the whole... When I receive those, you know, I receive ambassadors. All I receive is Af three out of four every time African ambassadors. They're nice little guys and so forth and so on. But they don't hit anything. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, 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 and, and the state just... Uh, Treats them. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think they're up to? What, 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 what is our African policy? Will uh, you tell African me? Policy. I just took a paragraph out of a speech that Rogers was happy to accept. It's not Dr. Rogers, but this guy Patterson had two paragraphs in the in uh, mm -hmm. in Rogers' UN speech, yeah. which was an all-out attack on South Africa, on no, Zambia. Never, and, never, and. Uh, they are anti-white in Africa. They are uh, they are nationally liberal, but you don't hear them say a peep. You know, when one of these governments is is not fully democratic, that they don't like, they scream. But when yeah. they murder people in Burundi, when this fellow in in Uganda has a reign of terror, you don't ever yeah. get a protest. Now on on Burundi, state 
underestimated, and I know that your people were using it. You used the figure 100,000. I understand it's 200,000. Now, I want the Belgian ambassador. Uh, do you know him here in Washington? I've, I've met him. I don't know. He's a decent fellow? He's a decent guy. Fine. I want you, or uh, you're the one to do it. You call him in, and it'd be a very nice touch anyway, and just say on a private basis, we'd like to know your estimate of what the hell's happened in Burundi. I really want to know. I don't mean there's anything we're going to do about it. Nothing is going to come out. No, but we ought to know it. But, but, you know, let's get it from the Belgians. Don't you agree? I agree completely. I mean, uh, the uh, on this one, oh, uh, you, now that you mentioned Patterson, he's one that's going to go the day after the election. That son of a bitch has done things in all... I mean, he's... A, it's an intolerable situation yeah. where every time uh, if we want to do something, we have to worry how we can finagle it. Right. So that it doesn't leak. Now we've got another month where we've got to put up with it. It's all. Well, you'll do this then uh, immediately. You, uh, and don't you think that who who will you call? You call uh, Bert Trent or uh, I'll first call Cromer. Cromer. Oh yeah. Okay. And then, but he's he, he'll keep it. He'll keep it absolutely Good. because he delivered the message. Call Cromer. That's a better way to do it anyway. So this is them discussing policies in regards to a murderous regime in Africa and how to control it. Uh, history. And we'll, you know, I'll do this on separate ones because it's not, uh, you know, something recent. But people should know exactly what the previous um, administrations have done to different countries that affected us. You know, um, we didn't benefit at all. Like to say that, oh, we did it because we benefit. We didn't. Next clip of the Nixon tapes that I'm going to play is going to show you how we benefited wrongly. So how Nixon was coerced, he was coerced to kill the convertible. Okay, this is it. It was the convertible currency, the back and forth, because that's when it died right in the 70s. Remember how many times have I said we're going back to the gold standard this Christmas, right? So many times the minute he wins it. And it's very important that we revisit some of my older shows where I told you how he's going to do it. I told you that two years ago. This is all part of it because the one thing about this fiat currency is that we provide power to others by doing that because it's regulated. For some reason, Nixon thought that by removing a gold back currency that you know, then other countries can't chime in and regulate, which was exactly the opposite, which blows my mind considering, you know, he was a smart guy, but I guess they were smarter than him the way they posed it to him because he bought it. So money, money makes the world go round for some reason, especially fake monopoly money, because the monopoly money is what we're attached to, not them. We are. So that's the only reason it's got some value. But like I said earlier in the show, it is down to the final countdown.
442. <laughs> they say by Europe, 442. What's that? I don't know. But you know what countdowns we have? Countdowns till they have no more excuses in the book. Countdowns to where <laughs> we're going to have almost all federal, right, governors of the Fed replaced. Almost. <laughs> almost. And see, this is how you fix things. This is how you fix things. You hit them where it hurts. And what hurts them more than losing money, right? What hurts them more than losing money is prestige. And right now they're being made the laughing stock of the world, just attacking the president again and again. And yes, in some corner of some deranged mind, you know, it comes out like, yeah, totally. But wait till we throw Canada in the mix. Because today, uh, right after this break, we're going to show how Trudeau, Daddy Trudeau, kind of helped with this whole gold standard shift and this fake money and how liberals were always a problem and how they conned Nixon and they nailed him because he wasn't as smart. Well, he was smart, but not smart enough for them. Because the one thing is, is that just like President Trump said, they stick together. And they're not even that smart. They're sneaky, not smart. There's a difference. Smart people will let you smack them across the face a couple times. Sneaky people won't. Mm? That's how it goes. So you can take a beating when you're smart. Because you know, you got that bullet, you're going to shoot it at that precise moment where it's effective to take down more than one. I'll see you all right after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to the final half hour of the Tory Says Show for this most, uh, you know, exhausting, long, out, like how long was this week, guys, uh, week ever. Um, I want to say happy birthday to my friend Eleni. Uh, I'm not going to be celebrating with her, uh, but, you know, happy birthday. Uh, and, you know, all my listeners, if I know it's your birthday, you're getting a shout out regardless. I'm just saying. So where were we? We were at the how we're going to destroy the global cabal scenario, something that I've told you about. Um, I did tell you guys that a long, long time ago, I had, you know, educated myself in the finances for certain, you know, jobs, uh, <laughs> odd assignments I had to do. So um, this is something I know very well. But even though I'm very well uh, versed in financial terms and investments, um, I'm not so well versed in keeping my own stuff in check sometimes. But um, I wanted to to revisit a discussion Nixon had on one of these tapes in regards to him crushing and getting rid of the, the whole thing, the whole shebang. And why I say this is because it, you'll understand how this goes. Taking the dollar out of gold was how the corrupt snakes 
were still rebelling against the crown and decided to stick it to them and make them work with them so they can put so they couldn't have a say in their pockets because the dollar was growing so big and the economy in the US was so big they got cocky right so that's that's the thing so <laughs> convertibility um was key damning it was just they can print as much money as they want you guys that's it i mean if you had a printer you'd be as rich as you want and nobody could say anything um so that's the idea cutting off their gravy train and while all of us are dealing with the micro stuffs going on, you need to understand that the European Union right now is freaking out because the Turkish lira is tanking, right? And they're dependent on it. Again, fiat currencies, um, but they're banked on uh, more commodities. They're upset. They're like, Russia's meddling in Libya. And it's like, um, but it's not Russia. It's Egypt, Israel, Greece, Cyprus, and Syria, which happens to have Russia there. So they're really aching for this, you know, for the Russians to come down from the north and quash the Ottomans. They're really pushing it. Because that's the only way they can get away with the crash. They're so dependent now on the Turks, it's ridiculous. Because like President Trump said, the biggest threat to the United States is not China. It's the European Union. China realizes what we had done to bring communism to their nation. Uh, you know, there's other old transcripts that I need to bring to light for you guys so you can understand the gravity of that situation and how deep, far deep it goes. So... Um, before I continue anymore, I want you guys to listen to this conversation where they're talking about the gold standard, where they're talking about Trudeau as well, because the Canadians, for some reason, voted this idiot in and they were all part of it. And this, you know, what sounds, you know, I'm just going to say Canada is part of the crown. This was like a psyop on Nixon and then they maimed him too. So they used him because he wasn't as smart as he thought he was. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, take a listen. Yes, sir. I know you're busy. I just wanted to tell you that, uh, I totally support, uh, the, the proposition on the convertibility thing. I've talked to George Schultz and Stein is lined up. There isn't any question about it. But Arthur let the cat out of the bag when he said he was talking about convertibility. That's right. And so uh, what we do about it, John, I don't know, but I just thought you should know that we're going to stand absolutely firm. If I'm ever asked about it or if you think I can say something, I'll say something. All right. Because, God damn it, we're just not going to lie. I don't think it's in much point. I put it off. They had a meeting today and I just told them to you know, just delay and talk and be nice right. and have, right. talk about something else and say, well, right. let's consider other possibilities. Right. I told them, just keep talking, but it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Now, on the Canadian side, my view is that, and uh, there's no hurry on this, but uh, uh, you might, uh, as you say, talk to Henry tomorrow and just, just say, now look here, we've got to do these tough things. and we, Because I, I have another reason for doing it. I think that doing something to Canada may be an indication to the Japanese and the Europeans and other places that we're not going to be pushed around. This is why it's important. Otherwise, see, we don't have that much to talk to them about. Right. And we don't need them to give us that much, but they ought to do something. Right. But the, the problem is, if they don't do anything, if that's going to be a clear signal 
right. because they did absolutely nothing uh, on right. the alignment. You see, they floated. Yep. They made no contribution. Yep. Now, if they don't do anything on trade, it's just going to be a clear indication to the rest of the world that uh, you know they can just, yeah. just stand firm. And, and they're our biggest customer. That's right. Okay. Well, uh, that's that's my feeling. And now, what is involved here, John, is that I will, I and I'm prepared to use the bullet too. Uh, what I'll do is to uh, just screw around on the visit to Trudeau and say, gee, I'm so tied up getting prepared for Russia, I can't do it right now. Hmm. Just put it off. Don't you agree? That's great. Because you see, once we do these things, as I pointed out, uh, there'll be the, the damned uh, Canadians, uh, some of those people, they'll stir up uh, pickets and this and that, and, I, and, and, and frankly, I'm just not going to tolerate that from these people. Well, we'll, uh, we don't have to do anything right now, except we'll be up testifying probably in, uh, right. within the next two weeks. And right. I'll play it cool, of course, and just say, yeah. oh, we haven't worked out an agreement with Canada. Right. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I want you to know what the situation was and what, what it's yeah. developing into. Because yeah. uh, we, we're going to have a tough year. We've got lots of trading with these people. Right. Yet. Right. On the, on the gold thing, uh, you're in charge of that, and, and you just do what you think is on the timing sort you know uh, I've always uh, I know the game we're playing and as I understand it you're gonna you're gonna push the trade thing uh, I mean I, I'm sorry not the trade thing but the well, gold thing uh, that, right. that, is, is just uh, is really as early as we can we, we were delaying maybe a week on these trade things just to get them over with right. we're going on with a gold thing but you know he, he just pontificates every now and then and, and acts as if he's the only one that's ever thought of these things yeah that ever thought of them or that's looking after the United yeah. States interest well hell uh, yeah I know I, every now and then I just get every now and then we some of the rest of us look at too well I just wanted you to know that uh, yeah, George and I had a talk and uh, we we we've got uh, we've got Stein George and naturally I are we're all lined up together John and but with Arthur we uh, we just got a but I don't know. We uh, just play it, and it's tough uh, because he, he does talk. He talks to these central bankers. Also, that undercuts you. Sure. Now, the other point sure. that George made to me, which I think is somewhat reassuring, George says, as long as we do not have convertibility, he says, the Europeans can't do all that much to us. They can't. Because he says, when we had convertibility, then they had a right to lecture us That's about right. what we ought to do. But That's with correct. convertibility, uh, without convertibility, that, that is not the case, and that we just shouldn't get all that excited about the yeah, fact that they worry about our budget. Is that your that view? That's exactly right. They can't do one cockeyed thing. And they'll say, oh, well, we've got to maintain our relations. We've asked them to hold dollars. And I said, no, we didn't ask them to hold dollars. They've held dollars. It's been in their interest to hold dollars. That's right. And I said, to hell with them. I am. I'm not worried about right. them. I'm worried about us. That's right. And, um, you know, it's, it's, right. you go through this same old thing again. That's right. I just, That's right. Well, we're doing fine on it. I and then I think we should talk that the fact that things are coming along, and sure, it takes time, and the Congress has got a lot on its plate, but we're going to push the gold right. thing and the rest, and we're going to get our trade, and we're going to do that, and make the best out of how, whatever we get out of it. So I just want you to know that right. <laughs> after the meeting, that uh, that's, that's my conviction, at least. All right. On a lighter note, I, I, when I got back to the office, I saw a, a little secret memorandum where they informed me, I, my intelligence people informed me that, that India had just made a grant to Bangladesh of 13 million pounds sterling. God, that's 50 million dollars. 30 million. 30 million. So I wrote Henry a little note and I said and told him that uh, I understood that India just made a grant of 30 million dollars to 
to Bangladesh and I said, if she's got money like this to give away, why are we giving aid to India? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Henry will come in to me tomorrow. He'll be he'll be mortified and he'll say, do you think, do you think the secretary really thinks this? And I'm going to say, he sure does. He called me about it, Henry, and he's enraged that you would have done this without telling him. Okay? Yes, sir. That's a game I'm going to play with him and okay. play, it, play it right out. Okay? All right. All right, John. Thank you. Hey, John. Yes, sir. Uh, Ryland's coming down. You go over there today now. Well, I can't. I'm, uh, I'm at the airport. Oh. I'm going to Richmond to make a speech oh. tonight to the okay. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, oh, well. Oh, that's it. They're great fellows. And so you might... Uh, I uh, I went down to Richmond and I was a congressman, believe me, believe it or not, and spoke to... Uh, I know the Chamber of Commerce Rotary Club. And, well, they, and, and they gave me a wonderful reception. And you just... Get and say that I have such fond memories of, of Richmond and great people and so forth. And for Christ's sakes, don't come out for busing. I know how strong you are for it, but don't. <laughs> All right. I will All right. Publicly come out for it. <laughs> okay, John. All right, Okay, so that was a conversation between Nixon and John Connolly. So um, for those of you that have never been privy to conversations between uh, high-level officials, presidents, prime ministers, this is how usually they go. They're, they're pretty much like you and I talking, right? And they scheme. And here's where Nixon's weakness shows. That he was convinced that by killing convertibility, being able to shift from dollar to gold, gold to dollar, Right? that this was going to help the U.S. economy. This is how they sold it to him. Because what they'll do is, then the Europeans can't tell him what to do. They can't tell him, oh, we're focused on your budget. We need to like keep it going. We need to keep it straight. Because the truth be said, the European Union at that time was in infant stages. And what the crown had difficulty doing was recruiting them to share their economic wealth. The only way that you could do that is if you were able to dictate and print money and do it on your own. And that is what they succeeded through Nixon. And this is why they took him out afterwards, right? Because like you heard, he was talking to Trudeau. (laughs) He was talking to Trudeau, some libtard. (laughs) Like he used to love to use that word, right? And he was a horrific prime minister, you guys. Horrific. He created all these socialist programs. He created all of these, uh, you know, abusive unemployment insurance things. Yeah, he did. But he made work programs where you would just get a job. A lot of public funding, a lot of the dependency for the citizens started in the 70s. And, you know, when all of this starts, it's all great because a lot of people have money and then they take over. Right. Suddenly people have money and then they're broke. Right. That's what happened throughout the past, you know, 30 years here. Whoa. Oh, whoa. Roller coaster. Because there's no stability when every single administration prints out whatever money they want because they need to move it places. So, you know, the fact that USAID was giving all this money to India, like you heard on the phone call, even though they were handing over like 30 million dollars. You know, why are we giving them aid? Who cares? We're just printing it. We're just putting it in the computer. It's not like it's real money. Because it isn't. And this allows people in control, or people that have printers, wish I had a printer like that. I'll tell you what. But this is what helps keep us in check. Because we provide it. Social credit is how it's going to get to. What are you allowed to have? 
that's that's how it gets to because you've given value to the money you've pushed it you give it strength so you know and the thing is you know i want to denounce the strength of the dollar so i could have no money and be rich <laughs> but it doesn't work like that because everybody else gives value to the dollar and then if you look behind the dollar you'll be like well you know i have a dollar but there's no store here and there's just a farm so maybe i can use my dollar and just get a cow, which will give me milk and meat and whatever. It's hide when it dies. And I get a lot of stuff from that one cow. But no one's going to trade you a dollar for that cow because that dollar ain't good. Where are you at? Because <laughs> it's monopoly money. And so the, the whole building up of the stock market is to be able to take it up and then just crash it. Because we're going to have a huge crash huge. But this is because we're going to have convertibility. And it's not scary when you have ones and zeros in your banks. And it's not scary when the banks have to zero out your debt. You know, they keep saying, forgive this debt, forget everything will be forgiven. Like you're going to start at zero in debt because you can't really calculate the debt because we haven't calculated what the gold is. And you know, everyone's going to be like, I'm so upset. And it's like, shut up. You're a crook. You're done. Okay. Be quiet, bank. And this would be the best way to give us a big shock of six months of like, holy, uh, so are cigarettes $10 or are they a dollar or are they 10 cents? Like, what is the value? Well, the last time we checked with the fake funny money, an ounce of gold was $1,000. So, yeah, pack of cigarettes, a carton of cigarettes will be like, what, a couple pennies. Sounds like a plan. So... And this is how we're going to fix the economy so it can't be shifted again. And that way we don't relinquish power again. Because by creating this fiat currency, we allowed the IMF to grow and grow with their fiat currency, which is traded on debt, right? The XDR. And this is how they control not only you and me and every other American citizen, but the whole world. Fake money makes the world go round. We've given it power. We've given it its life force. And this is what we need to take away. Could you imagine investments that don't exist? It's, it's pretty interesting, right? Very interesting. There was a, a, a video that Bitcoin tweeted out. Hold on a second. I want to play it for you. It was, it was interesting. And I want you to listen to it. It seems like a lot of people are talking about money lately. But, you know, my listeners have been talking about money in the gold standard since uh, 2018, right? Uh, so that was um, that's pretty interesting. Here we go. Take a listen. Uh, well, uh, Commissioner, um, Mr. President, uh, I rise again. I'm afraid to make the same old hoary speech that I've been making here for several years, and that is, it is my opinion that you do not really understand the concept of banking. All the banks are broke. Uh, Bank Santander, Deutsche Bank, Royal Bank of Scotland—they're all broke. And why are they broke? It isn't an act of God. It isn't some sort of tsunami. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking, which means that banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal, and it's been going on for too long. To add to that problem, you have moral hazard, a very significant moral hazard from the political sphere. And most of the problem starts in politics and central banks, which are part of the same political system. 
we have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, but counterfeiting by any other name. The artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time. And yet governments and central banks do it all the time. Central banks repress the amount of interest that rates are, so we don't have the real cost of money. And yet we blame the real retail banks for manipulating LIBOR. The sheer effrontery of this is quite astonishing. It's central banks. It's central banks that manipulate interest rates, Commissioner. And plus, underneath all this, we talk loosely, in a rather cavalier fashion, do we not, about deposit guarantees. So when banks go broke through their own incompetence and chicanery, the taxpayer picks up the tab. It's theft from the taxpayer. And until we start sending bankers, and I include central bankers and politicians, to prison for this outrage, it will continue. Wow, he didn't get a lot of claps. He didn't get a lot of claps, did he? But he was right. Dude, so they can print their own money, right? But then when the banks go bad, they're like, well, we're not printing any money for you. We just print it for us. So we'll just have the taxpayers use their money so we can make money on them because we don't want to print any more money for you because we have enough money going around and we don't want to print anymore. Guys, if I had a printer like that in my house, I would... I would be in prison so fast. It's not even when God knows I need one now. You know what I'm saying, you guys? Like, this is ridiculous, right? But this is how we're going to fix it. Because they're all crooks. And we all know it. And this is how things get put back in place. By undoing things. And how do you undo things? By giving them actual value. Kind of like... Giving value to life again, giving value to money again, giving value to skills, giving value to common sense, giving value to your God provided self, whatever God created you as value because value now is speculated on is it really valuable. I don't know. Everything about you is valuable. Every imperfection is valuable. This is important. You know what's funny? That as we see things come forward, right, unfolding, all these facts, all these terrible things that you're just like, it has to be fiction, has to be fiction when it's actually more true than fiction. When you start to realize the con job that they have done on you and realize that you're the prize, that's where it really hurts you to core. In you, you are the prize. You're the commodity. Again, I dare all of you to try to track down yourself being traded on markets. And I kid you not, you will be able to find it. You're the prize. The people are the prize. You're the ox in their field. You're the one that washes their feet. You're the one that works so tirelessly to please them and you don't even know it. That makes it perfect for them. Sometimes they'll throw it in your face and put you in your place. But now what we are seeing is something I wrote about Greece was going through and what we were going through. I think it was in 2015 I wrote this. It might actually be still on my Medium account. It still might be there. Um, It was that we're going through the most civilized civil war. And it's humanity against them. 
you know, you know, they, they actually online, like during the break, the previous break, I saw people so upset about McCabe and I'm like, gosh, just leave it alone. This isn't going away. This is okay. Cause we need to re look into everything. Horowitz did a horrific job, right? Horrible job. Everything will be going through a fine tooth comb because Horowitz is under investigation. I think I told you that already. Horowitz and Stork. So NSAIG, IG of the DOJ, both under investigation. But how do you investigate the investigators? Well, you put bigger investigators, and who are they? You're not going to know. No one's going to know, and that's the way it is. You know, a lot of people you know, are siding with what I had said in the beginning. Oh, A.G. Barr's a swamp creature. I wrote that article. I told you who he was. But the thing about humanity and about humans, right, is that there's always time for redemption. How many of you have heard of that? And this is why I see the best in everything. Oh, gosh. And my eyes, man, lately... I have to say, I can't even trust them because for the past 17 years, I, I was blind to things that I, I couldn't even imagine. But as a general, you know, it's rule of thumb. People that have done wrong and that repent really do better work than people that have been righteous all along or, or than me, righteous. And this is why I say, Barr can be Godfather 3. You know, I've said this for years now um, since he was appointed, but I've said it for other people too, right? Could it be? Could it be? You know, I actually really hope that Romney was one of those people that had redemption when he met with President Trump. It wasn't until I saw his facial expressions when he was sitting with President Trump at the restaurant back in the days that I realized that he wasn't. Barr is actually taking pleasure in seeing them ask him questions. You can see that from his body language. And that is, you know, what you need to focus on. Redemption is the biggest virtue that someone has, I guess, the person that tries to redeem themselves will do more good than anyone that's been kind of middle of the road all their life. So even though I don't put all my eggs in the basket for bar, cause I wrote that scathing article. It's on Tory says over two years ago before he was even appointed. And I told you he wasn't going to be appointed. They nominated him in November. I told you, ah, if he gets nominated, eh, he got nominated. If he gets confirmed, it'll be end of February. Remember I said that. February, March, I also told you Flynn's not going to jail. You know, I don't know how many times I have to tell people that I time travel before they believe me. <laughs> so let's time travel through this weekend and understand that this weekend is going to be just as busy as last. And you're going to be like, why the weekend? Because sometimes truths are really hard to swallow and you need time. On that note, I want to say God bless to everyone. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Much love from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. God bless.